Good morning. It's Monday morning, um, and we are learning the Sicha on Parshas Bahar. And we're just going to begin with looking at a few psukim uh, that will provide the context for today's Sicha, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, we're going to begin by looking in Shvi'i of Parshas Bahar, and um, specifically, we're looking at Perak Chav Hei, and we're going to begin with Pasuk Mem Zayin. And I'm going to be using um, the English translation provided by the Kahas Chomish, the synagogue edition of the Chomish that was uh, just published a few years ago, uh, because it already includes in the translation um, so much of the context given by Rashi and other Bafarshim. So Pasuk says, Memzayin reads, V'chi sasig yad ger v'saishav imach, umach achicha imai, v'nimkar l'ger taishav imach, oi l'eker mishpachaz ger. It's a little bit of a difficult Pasuk to understand without assistance. Um, and here's the uh, rendition, again, in the, in the Kahas Synagogue uh, edition of the Chumash. So if an individual indentured himself to another Jew as a bondsman, so if a Jew falls on hard times and he sells himself to another Jew, and the reason that he has to do this, it's a result of becoming impoverished on account of having dealt commercially in produce of the sabbatical or jubilee years. So it all begins with uh, an Avera, and the, the, the Parsha is going in chronological order. There's a trajectory of descent. So first, the Yid trespasses the laws of Shemitah or Yevel, and, and things uh, become difficult financially, and one thing leads to another, and continues to transgress this prohibition after completing his term of service. So this is a Yid who had to sell himself to another Yid because he fell on hard times, because he wasn't keeping Shemitah or Yevel properly. But then he continues to do this Avera, so he will again incur financial loss. He again falls on hard times, but this time he is forced to indenture himself as a bondsman to a non-Jew. And specifically, what kind of non-Jew? So the puzzle tells us, If a resident alien um, gains financial means, Okay, so who are these uh, resident aliens? These are people who took upon themselves to live according to certain halachas amongst the Jews in Eretz Yisrael. And, um, and if such a person becomes rich, it will be, the Torah says, imach. It will be on account of associating with you and coming under your influence. So some of these people who are not Jewish, but become a ger teshav and take on certain of the Torah's mitzvahs and, and restrictions uh, on their life. Um, if, if, if things go well for them, the Torah is saying, is implying that it's because they were imach, they became people who associated with you and therefore evolved more spiritually, and therefore this is reflected in their financial gain as well. On the other hand, and if your brother, uh, a yid, 
becomes poor, they then it may well be on account of imoy, the fact that he is associating with this ger taishav and coming under his influence. And then the Pasuk says, and if your brother, uh, the Jew, is sold because he becomes so poor that he gets sold as a bondsman to this ger taishav, or worse, ger. He be, he's sold to serve not as a pedestrian domestic assistant, but as an attendant for the idol of the non-Jewish family of a convert or a ger teshav. Okay, so this is the pasuk that we are beginning with. And let's just uh, please continue to the pasuk that the 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 Sicha actually um, begins with, which is Achare Nimkar, after he is sold, Geula Tiyeloi. He, he will be, or he must be redeemed. Me'echav Yigolenu. One of his brothers should redeem him. The Torah continues in the next Pasuk, Oi Daidai, Oi Ben Daidai Yigolenu, Oi Misha'er Bisarei, if the brothers cannot redeem him, then his uncle or his cousin, or if they cannot, some closest relatives from his family should redeem him. And if none of his relatives can redeem him immediately, then when he becomes able to afford it, he should redeem himself. And the last pasuk I want to bring to your attention, although it comes up later in the in the sicha, is pasuk nun hey. Um, after more details about uh, the redemption of this Jew, the Torah says ki li b'nei Yisrael avadim, avadai hein. Okay, the Torah says because Yidin are servants to me, they are in reality my servants. Whom I brought out of Mitzrayim, I am your God. So those are the psukim that we will be looking at. And um, also, if you you still have your chumash in front of him, in uh, front of you, look at Rashi and the words Rashi says, "Shtari My contract with you precedes any contract that you might have with anybody else. Before you subcontracted yourself to anybody else, uh, to, to this Ger Taishav, to, to this um, family of, of uh, Gerim who are non-Jewish, you should know, Shtari Kaidim, my contract with you precedes any of that. Okay, now we're going to go into the Sicha Bahar Gimel. And we're learning, as we do every week, for the schos of a refuah shlema for Harav Yosef Yitzchak ben Simachasia, and also it's been a very difficult few hours and few days for all of us, and we want to learn in the schos of those who need a refuah shlema, and for the Aliyah Hanashama for those who left us so tragically. 
so quickly or after elongated suffering and the Ebeshesh does have Rahmanis and all of his children and 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 redeem us, all of us, immediately. Bahar Gibel, Seif Aleph. Be'inyin ha'moycher atzmai l'nachri le'evet. Regarding the concept of a Jew selling himself to a non-Jew as a servant. Ksiv says in our parsha in the psukim that we just looked at, Ge'ula ti'eloi. This person must be redeemed. One of his brothers should redeem him. And the next Pasuk says, and if his brother can't, his brothers can't, his uncle, his cousins should redeem him, or another relative should redeem him, or if he acquires or is able to grasp the necessary resources, he should redeem himself. And from the exact order that is given in this Pasuk as to how he should be redeemed, we learn from this listing that the one that is closer should, um, should redeem him first. In other words, it goes in the order of who is the closest relatives. And so the Pasuk lists them in that order of closeness to the person. And the Rebbe asks two questions. If this person that we're talking about that sold himself into servitude to a non-Jew is found in a situation that we could even float the possibility that he can redeem himself, then why wouldn't the Pasuk have put this first? The person themselves is closer to himself than any of his relatives, right? Since we're taught that the people who might redeem him are listed in the order of closeness to the person, we would think that the Pasuk would have started first by saying he should redeem himself if he can. And only after, if he does not have this possibility, so why is the possibility of his redeeming himself only floated or mentioned after all of the relatives? And I'll peep shot. The Rebbe brings down in a footnote. Um, you could say that the reason is that perhaps he doesn't have the assets at that moment. He doesn't have um, possibility to, to, maybe he has, but something has to be sold or something has to be liquidated. So in the meantime, somebody else should redeem him as soon as possible. But the Rebbe, of course, is going to give us a, <coughs> a deeper meaning. And Bayes, the second question is, because the Pasuk enumerates um, various relatives and they are enumerated chronologically in the order of their closeness to him, we would think that the first person, uh, the first relative that would be cited would be the father. 
who is closer than the brothers. And this would be behetem ladin biyerusha in consonance with the laws of inheritance. Sha'of koidem le'echav, that the father inherits before the brothers inherit. Ve'ilu be'poyer lo'y niskar aviv klal be'kasof. But we see that the that the possibility of the father redeeming is not mentioned at all in the pasuk. And if you want to look at footnote seven very quickly, the Rebbe says, We might also ask, why is the son not mentioned as a possibility of redeeming his father who sold himself into servitude to a non-Jew? And we might say the reason it's not mentioned is because the Torah mentions that which will happen more frequently, that which is more normal, let's just say. Plausible. That the, that the son should be um, the one who is kind of uh, keeping his father financially or redeeming him is, is not the norm. And especially, we're talking about a case where obviously the son was not financing the father. If that would have been the case, then prophylactically he would have been okay and he wouldn't have, been, have to sell himself into servitude. Okay. But we see that the father is not mentioned. This exact question, we find this exact question raised by the Mephorshim where it talks about Yerusha. Regarding the order of the relatives that are listed in order of who would inherit. The Pasuk says if a man dies, and he has no son, so his estate is awarded to his daughter. And afterwards, and if he doesn't have a daughter, it goes to the brothers, to the uncles, and then after that, those people don't exist to close relatives. Again, and again, we see that the, that the father is not mentioned. But we know that halachically, his father, but the father does have the father does um, rank higher than the brothers do in terms of inheriting. And yet he's not mentioned. And the Meforshim reconcile this question by saying, that the Torah wants to speak in a way that um, evokes blessing and does not speak about people who are cut off um, young. The Torah doesn't want to speak about a, uh, a situation of, of difficulty uh, or punishment where the, where the child dies during the lifetime of the parent. But on top of the fact that even when you're talking about um, inheritance, this doesn't completely compute. Why? Because we're talking about things that are practical. 
we're talking about things that are la You have to know who inherits and in what order. It would seemingly, it would seem out of place to delete um, the, you know, mentioning the father who, who ranks higher because you want to speak in a way that connotes more bracha. In other words, yes, we know that that's a value. And we as Rebbe's Hasidim, we know how punctilious the Rebbe was with, with, with terms and, and, and not using certain terms and, and how much credence and importance the Rebbe taught us uh, words have. But on the other hand, we know that when the Torah speaks about halacha, there has to be clarity. So the Rebbe says on top of the fact that it's not completely answered the question of why when the Torah speaks about Yerusha, about Nachala, it doesn't mention the father. And especially because it could lead to mistakes. It could lead a person to erroneously thinking that the father can never be Yerush from the son. But the Rebbe says, But in this case, but here we're not talking about uh, a terrible, tragic circumstance or scenario. And if so, seemingly the Pasuk should have started with when it, when it lists who would redeem the Jew who sold himself into slavery to a non-Jew, it should list the father. Base. So those are the two questions. Why doesn't it start with talking about the person redeeming themselves? Since the Torah does float that possibility, why wouldn't you begin with that? And second, why is the father of this person not listed as a possible or probable redeemer? Base. The Yesh Levarazais, and we can explain this, Behektim by prefacing divrei chazal, what chazal teaches, regarding the order of what is being mentioned. There's a lot of things, a lot of halacha spoken of in this parsha, and chazal tell us that they appear they appear in a very particular order. They appear chronologically, Chazal explained that there's a chronological order of descent that begins with a Jew not keeping the halachas of Shemitah. And in parentheses, Rebbe says, V'afilu rak avaka even on some subtle level, like avak lashon hara, like a subtle iteration of lashon hara, so even ba'avaka, avaka, even in a subtle way, what happens? First, we're just talking about a person who is selling stuff. He's selling his transportable items um, because he's fallen on hard times, because he wasn't careful with Shemitah. And then things get worse and worse. He has to sell his real estate and non-fungible items and so on and so forth. 
until he comes to the lowest point. He has to sell himself to a non-Jew. And even more than this, he comes to a place where he sells himself as a helper, an assistant, a valet, to the Avodazara of a non-Jewish family that lives in Eretz Yisrael. He sells himself to to be a helper. And is understood simply. Obviously, this is not just a difficult descent in the material sense. They has to sell all of his assets, etc. Until he has to sell himself and become an indentured servant and to a non-Jew. But this physical descent is a reflection of a continuous spiritual descent and tells us just how low this person has fallen spiritually. Shaharei, because Mechiras Adam Yisrael is Atzmei because a Jew selling himself to a non-Jew, he Aleph, first of all, Hefa Torah, it's, it's against the Torah, a Jew is forbidden from selling himself to a non-Jew. So that's first of all. And Beis, Zehu Matzav HaNaisim Mokim, Lekas Al Kedaitach, Hoyil V'Rebi Megala Arayis, Eivet Avedas Alilim, Mechal Shabbos Avani Kemaisei. This could lead to a situation where the person actually considers the possibility, becomes a kasal kidaitach, that because here the word Rebbe is being used to connote his master, that since his master indulges in adultery or serves of a desara or doesn't keep Shabbos, afani kemaisai, I can do the same thing. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. And how much more so this is true, for the Jew who sells himself actually to become an assistant, a helper, a, a valet, to the Avaidazar itself. Because this is the quintessential opposite of what the Torah tells us in our parsha, Li B'nei Yisrael Avad. Gimel. Heitzad yitachain sheyehudi yered lishval kazeh at shemoiches atzmei lavedis alilim atzma. So how does it come that a Jew should descend to such a, 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 a low place that he sells himself, not only to a non-Jew, but to Avedis Alilim itself. The beginning is that he forgets and then he disconnects himself from his father in heaven. Obviously, this means that he doesn't have the Avas Hashem. And the Yiras Hashem that that is natural for a Jew to have. Ben of. 
And like Hashem says in, through the, the, the Navi, Malachi, a son should honor his father. Vim avani And if I am your father, where is my honor that you should be according me? And in Hasidic terminology, we know that in Hasidus, the idea of an of, of Abba, is correlated with Chachma. So, understanding this, what is missing by this Jew is the Chachma Shebenafshay. And like the Altareb explains at great length in the Tanya, that the only reason a Jew could trespass God's will, Altareb explains that the only way that a Jew could transgress what Hashem wants from us is when the chachma in, in this person's soul, which is connected to the emuna in Hashem that transcends logic and intellectual inquiry, is in a state of stupor, is in a state of slumber. Umemela, ein murkash kala. And so because the Chachma Shebenafshay is in a state of sleep, of slumber, therefore he doesn't feel that when he trespasses an Avera, even what would seem to be an Avera Kala, not a huge Avera, he is separating himself from Hashem with a complete and total separation. And as Al-Tarebbe continues to explain, And if this Jew would feel that in doing this Avera, he is separating himself from the unity of Hashem, just like when he does Avera, which most Jews would recognize viscerally is, is a terrible um, alienation from Hashem, but if we would realize that that's true of every single Avera, that he would be able to withstand the test of whatever Avera it is that's beckoning, that's calling, and he would be able to do so with the same strength that he would repel or rebut Israel. Because as Al-Dreb explains, every Jew, even the Kal Shebekalim, even the sinners, are ready to be Meisr Nefesh for Al-Kiddush Hashem. And without a lot of rumination and thinking, but it's something that he cannot, he can't be kai for Be'ikar. It's 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 endemic. It's inherent to the Jew that he cannot do this avaytazara. He he cannot repudiate Hashem. And if we would, the chachma in the nefesh would shine, then we would feel this about every single avera.
ועל פי זה מובן הטעם הפנימי לזה, שאוביב לא נסגר כאן ולא בפרשת נחלס. says, now we can answer the question of why when the Pasuk lists all the possible people that might redeem the Jew who sold himself into servitude to a non-Jew or even to Avai Dezara, it doesn't list the father. Because al primius hanyanim, av, is the inion of Chachma, <coughs> that shines in the, in the nefesh. And if this would be shining by this yid, he would never have been able to, to put himself in this situation. But 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 uh, his chachma shemenefesh is is in a state of slumber. Is is b'shena, and so it's not available. So his father is not on the list. Chachma is not on the list. Av is not on the list. And the rebbe um, further develops this by saying, "Inyan hamisa beruchnius." The idea of death in Ruchnius, Rishoim Shibachayein Kriyim Mesim, like we're taught that a Russia, even when they're alive, they're considered dead. Oy Bidakas Yeser, or in a much, much more subtle level, we're taught, Man Denochis Medarga, when a person descends from their spiritual state, Kari Bemes Misa, this is called death. And how does this come about? It all comes, Ba. It comes from a lack of remembering our Father in Heaven, which is the Gilui, which is the revelation of which is called of. And what happens for this Jew? This of that is called of in Hasidic parlance, he bechina sheina is sleeping. It's in a state of slumber or stupor. And what do we know about sleep? It's one sixtieth percent of, of death. On the other hand, when there is the remembrance of Aviv Sheba Shemayim, when the of, when the Bechina of Chachma in the Nefesh is <coughs> awake, Yeshna Kvedi, then the covet of Hashem is constantly before this person. And, and he accords the proper covet Hashem. And when this aspect of the nefesh called Chach Nefesh is awake, it irradiates the person. And it also vivifies the person. It doesn't allow for the possibility of spiritual death, God forbid. It doesn't even allow for the person to fall to any extent in their spiritual level. Because on this level, when the Chachma Shebenefesh is awake and kicking and irradiating the person, then their avoida is with the full strength and it's an unremitting fashion. There's no, on this level, there's no room for variation, for shinuyim, for um, fluctuation. It's a level where it's constant and it's very, very strong. Dalit. When 
So once we understand that the scenario that the Torah is setting out about a Jew that had to sell himself into servitude to a non-Jew or even worse, to an actual idol, once we understand that this follows a spiritual trajectory of descent, then we also understand that the redemption has to occur, not just on the monetary level, obviously, there's there are financial aspects to this, surely, <coughs> but it also has to happen spiritually. The Torah is not suggesting, the Torah is commanding that this person has to be redeemed. And his closest relatives are obligated to redeem him. And even more than this, the Pasuk ends by saying, He will be redeemed. This is a promise. A Jew must be redeemed. And even for a person who unfortunately has no relatives that can or will redeem him. In worst case scenario, he will go out in the Shnas Hayevel, but a Jew must be redeemed. And then in Pasuk Nunhei, the, the Pasuk gives a reason. And like Rashi says, the reason this Jew, every Jew will be redeemed is because Hashem says, they are my servants. They belong to me. I have a contract with every single Jew that precedes any other possible subcontract. The Kavanas Hadvarim Beprimius. So what, what is the Torah telling us on, on the level of Primius, on the level of Hasidus? It's talking about the spiritual redemption from the very lowly level where this Jew is now found. And remember that the Parsha begins with Bahar, with reminding us about Matan Every single one of Bnei Yisrael became a servant to Hashem forever. And this is an ilui atzmi. This is an essential elevation. It's an inherent, spectacular, elevated status. Nobody can take this away from a Jew. Like in the famous words that the Fritik Rebbe Chazit from his father in the train station, before they took him away and, and into exile, he said, they can only take our bodies. They can't take us. A Jew can't be taken. And even if after, yes, after Matan Terah, after he became Evet Hashem, he goes against Hashem's will. But his relationship to evil, even the fact that Nimkar Lavaydis Alilin, even so much so that he actually sold himself to Avaydizara, 
Eina ela davar noisaf al etzem mehusai. This is just an external overlay on his essence. It's just a facade. Shechin etzem mehusai yese ever Hashem einai yochal lishdanis, because the inherent, intrinsic, essential aspect of a Jew that we are servants of Hashem, is not privy to change. It's not something that can change. And therefore, certainly, this person will be redeemed. The Rebbe says, and here we see the connection between the end of the Parsha, because what we're discussing now is in Shvi'i, and the beginning. And the words come as an overarching preface to the whole Parsha. Because we are emerging from that point of departure of Har Sinai, where we became the servants of Hashem. And Hashem says, and my contract with you precedes any other. So even after the Parsha traces the chronological order of descent of this particular Jew, but then the Torah says, and this is a promise. He will surely be redeemed. Hey, I'm sorry because in the beginning when we went over the Psukim and, and, and one Rashi, I meant to go over this Rashi as well. So on the words, Asher Eker Mishpachas Ger, which is understood as this person being sold as an assistant or a valet to the deity of the family of somebody that became a Ger, that's living in Israel. Rashi says that this refers to Hanimkor Lavaitis Alilim Atzma. He is sold to the deity. Liaisla Shamish to to serve its needs, Veloilehus, and it's not for any type of worship, but rather to do menial tasks for this deity, like um, chopping wood or drawing water from the well. Dilakhara Ainamuvan. Now, seemingly, the Rebbe says, the Rashi is not understood. Menale le Rashi, from where does Rashi get it? That this is not about worship. And if Rashi is saying that it's unequivocally not for worship, well, <laughs> it's also not allowed to sell yourself, to, to, sell, to, to help a deity. And you're not even allowed to sell yourself to a non-Jew who's not serving a deity. So what's Rashi trying to tell us here? 
Rebbe says, Rashi. But through Rashi's commentary here, Rashi is teaching us, that even a Jew who fell so rock bottom, so low, even so, it's not possible for a Jew to be sold to a deity for the purpose of worship. Because as the Alter Rebbe tells us, what's the definition of a Yid? A Jew can't, and he doesn't want to truncate himself from the Ebishter. So the Rebbe says that Rashi is teaching us through this, that he just can't. Even a Jew who has fallen to the lowest place cannot engage in this kind of thing. Because even before he's redeemed, he is not in such a situation where he has completely obviated remembrance of his father in heaven. It's only that his remembrance of his father is in an obscured state in a state of sleep, shina, it's not that it's possible for any Jew for the, for the modality of which transcends, like the Rebbe said before, intellect and, and logic, and is something which is unchanging and does not fluctuate. It's only that it's in a state of sleep, that it's in a state of stupor. You know, we're, we're so privileged because over and over and over, the Rebbe teaches us how to look at, at another person, look at another yid. Like how many times do we look at somebody and based on everything they say to us and based on everything they do and based on everything that they present, they're just not interested. They're not interested. We may have reached out to them a hundred times, invite them for Shabbos or ask them this or that. And they're broadcasting with every fiber they're being, they're not interested. And the Rebbe is constantly whispering in our ear. They're just asleep. They're going to get up soon. They're going to get up soon. They're just sleeping. This is not them. It's just a mirage. This is not reality. This is just a pretext. And therefore, and so therefore, when this Jew comes to a situation where he's tested in his amuna in one God, and it hits the innermost recesses of his soul, the chachma, that awakens the Chachma Shebenefesh. It, it awakens and does not allow the Jew to stumble with this Nisayan. Like the Rebbe talks about the Jew who constantly seems to be doing Averis, but when it comes to Avedizara, no, not this. Comes to die al Kiddush Hashem, I'm here. Viserimizu, and even more. 
ואין היא נוסנס מוקם אפילו למחשבה דיבור מייסך חיצוניים, בלי אמונה בלב כלל, שהם נגד אמונס השם אחד. And this בחינס of חכמה שבנפשי does not allow him to even think or give voice to or do an external action, even if it's not, doesn't correlate to what's going on inside of his heart. Doesn't allow him to make an external overture that goes against emunas Hashem Echad. And, you know, I know that right away our minds go to thinking about the Anusim who did take on external life of, of Christianity, etc., etc. And um, I think it was in, in a footnote in one of the JLI courses um, that noted a, a, a fascinating historic fact, and that is that even for those Jews, when they were called out by the church, when they were caught and they were hauled in, they chose to be burnt at stake rather than to undergo a, another public uh, conversion um, to the Christian faith. In other words, they were given a second chance, convert publicly and, and, and live accordingly, or we will burn them. And even those who, and, and no one can ever judge um, <clears throat> the reasons for why they undertook that, that kind of double life. But even for those, when they were caught, they chose to die Al-Kiddush Hashem. And therefore, it's not possible that a Jew should sell himself for the purpose of worship to an alien deity. And even if it wasn't worship that correlated to what's going on in the inner landscape. In other words, he was just doing it. The, the lowest possible level, the nadir that is possible when the Chachmash Benefesh is in a state of slumber, from the, from the place of choosing, he rak limchar as The worst that the Jew will go is that he'll do menial tasks with the Savaita Zara. Vav. Kevon shebechinas hazikorin hachachma shebenefesh hibevchinas sheina etzel hanimkar lenafri. Now because we now understand that this modality of remembering Hashem, which is correlated or comes from the chachma shebenefesh, of the Av, and in this Jew, it's in a state of stupor, it's in a state of slumber, and therefore he's able to come to a place where he has to sell himself to a non-Jew. <clears throat> until it seemingly appears that he has no autonomy, because he is in servitude to a non-Jewish master. And, and especially the Jew sells himself to, to the Vaidizara. And so he is not in a situation where he can redeem himself. Al-pi haklal, based on the very well-known axiom in Gemara Brachas, ein chavosh matir hasurim. The incarcerated person cannot sell him, cannot redeem himself from prison. He needs to be redeemed by somebody else. His redemption has to come in a way of an overture from above, and the Rebbe right away explains 
Here, Sosa de Leila is not uh, speaking necessarily of Hashem, but rather of somebody who is in a higher <coughs> position than he is. <speaking in Hebrew> Others who are not in servitude to Avodah Salilim or to non-Jews, <speaking in Hebrew> they redeem him. And therefore, the Pasuk leads first with his redemption on the part of his relatives. Their overtures, and they are considered overtures from above because they're not in his lowly situation, and they take him out. But what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is that he should not constantly need the overtures from others. That ultimately his innermost truth should be revealed. That he is a servant of Hashem. It should be a redemption that comes from within, that reveals his inner essence, and in that place, he will never come back to this lowly place. So, you know, the well-known English expression about teaching a man to fish. It's nice when you give him fish, but what's the real gift is to teach him how to fish. Just like we find in Gashmias, that the best gift that you could give to somebody who is impoverished is to give him a job, is to put him on his feet so he will never need charity again or he won't need help again. And so now the Rebbe answers the question, And that's why after the pasuk, the Tupsukim list, the possible Kravim, the possible relatives that can redeem him, then and only then does it float the possibility of his acquiring funds to redeem himself. <clears throat> because Tachlis Geulas HaKravim he because the end goal of the redemption on the part of relatives is to effectuate a situation where he can redeem himself with his own with his own capabilities, with his own strength, with his own potential. And that's why the Seder of the Kravim, of the relatives as listed, are in terms of their closeness. Because their goal is to arouse his innermost strengths and realities, and then also to address the external aspects until he is in a situation where he can redeem himself, move on. Therefore, it's understood.
that the closer the person is to the person who is in servitude, the greater is their influence, the greater is their capability to arouse the innermost aspects of this effort. So on the physical level, it's about, I guess, a sense of responsibility and it radiates outward from the closest relatives to further relatives, because who's going to feel the closest sense of responsibility, who carries the greatest obligation. But the Rebbe is saying, it's about who is in a position to arouse or to shake up the inner landscape of this Evet. And it would seem that in the main, it would be the people closest to him. And therefore, it follows the order of those who are closest. Zion. Hasiba The reason and the, the possibility for this descent, Mirumezes Umudgeshes Betchilas Haparsha, is alluded to and is underscored at the very beginning of the Parsha. Kisavoyu El Haaretz. When you will come to the land. It's the beginning of the of, of this parsha, meaning this subject, not the beginning of the parsha itself, the beginning of Parakhafhe. This comes as a result of the fact that the Jews are now entering a settled land where they will be immersed in life as it is lived naturally. Six years you will work your land. They're now cast in a completely new reality, uh, an agrarian-based society. But if it wouldn't be agrarian, it would be something else. In other words, they're no longer living in their Midbar bubble. It's not like what was going on in the Midbar. They were completely like the Bachram said, muf. They were completely like completely separated from, from everything Gashmias. They ate bread that came from the sky, man, Miriam, they drank from the well of Miriam, and the Ananiya covered bleached and and um and ironed their clothing. The clothing grew with them. I mean, that sounds like a program I could sign up for any day. So this is what it was like in the Midbar. So look how good the Rebbe is to us, constantly being like, like, why would a Jew do bad things? Not, not because they're bad. Because, because life is difficult. Because there's so many things that pull on you. And they're no longer living in this situation, this utopian situation. So the beginning of the actual parsha precipitates this and gives us the answer to the situation of Kisavoyu al-Aretz. Because we're coming from Harsinai, no matter where we live and no matter when we live, we are coming from Harsinai. And we have the Kayach of Harsinai. So it's clear. 
אשר לא יזו בבת שנשאר שלמים בעצמנו, גאולתי אלוהי, that not only will we remain complete, despite the many obstacles that living in Olam Hazet presents us with, the promise from the Pesukim that we're looking at, that גאולתי אלוהי, אלא נפל בירו ואילוי בארץ, but the whole world will experience a refinement and an elevation to, until Eretz becomes that we make from Eretz Canaan, Eretz Yisrael. That wherever we're living, we are able to refine our chilek shaba'ilam, we're able to elevate it, we're able to make it Eretz Yisrael. Until it becomes a time of Yom Shakula Shabbos Menucha Lachaya Elamin, that 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 it's a a time of Shabbos LaHashem constantly. Tmuras Mitzuyah Shalavaydazar Eretz Yisrael, in the place of the existence of Avaydazar in Eretz Yisrael, she Eleha Olul Yehudi Limchar Atzmai Eleha, that. To, that there is a possibility that when there is of a desire in Eretz Yisrael, there is a possibility that a Jew should, God forbid, sell themselves to it. Miskayim ok eker mishpachasger will come to be. Now we're using eker in a different way. The uprooting of the mishpacha of the ger, the uprooting of all idolatry, of all influences that are contra Hashem, that the end of Avaydazara will be that it will be completely uprooted. The whole land will be in a state of constant rest Hashem. What does it mean? that it will be seen in a revealed fashion that the Eretz belongs to Hashem, that we all belong to Hashem, that the world belongs to Hashem. And uh, may this be immediately. Mamash. Like today, wouldn't be too soon. Thank so you. Learning the discourse of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Ben Simachapia for Rafur Shlema and all the other people that need Rafur Shlema and any Yeshua. That's our Sicha for today. Rivki, can I just share Thank something? Thank you. Please. I, I heard a talk, um, and I feel like the one, one major lesson you've repeated a million times is like not to editorialize these Sichas. So, I'm going to apologize in advance. That, that's only to myself. But I did hear a talk about addiction and it was based on the Sikha. As far as I know, it's based on the Sikha. It was all the same Sukkim and many of the same ideas. And because I, I heard that probably a year ago um, around the time of this Parsha, it's like gave me this lens to learn the Sikha through. And it's such a hot topic for our generation, addiction. So it is very interesting when you are kind of learning it through that lens that a person falls so low, they, they don't have their intellect, they don't have their av, they don't have anything, all they, you know, but we have this ability, we have this responsibility to redeem them, especially that there's a notion in this, I don't want to get totally off topic on addiction, but there's this concept of letting people reach rock bottom, but then there's sort of a pushback that not everybody has a rock bottom, and sometimes rock bottom, you know, comes too late. So that's where 
I think that idea comes in of the cousins and the uncles and all the Krovim having to redeem the person. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. It's so, so important. And, uh, and yeah, we have to remember that, uh, that we're all Krovim and, and that we all have an obligation to each other. Thank you, Tzipa. That was very, very important. Um, something that I thought was really interesting is just in the realm of if we want to reach anybody, it seems like the Rebbe is saying the only way we can ever do it is if we have a closeness to them, which is just so basic, but it's brought out so beautifully here, I thought. Absolutely. I also wanted to say hi. Um, is that like it made me think about people that have OCD, that it's a real OCD, and they're not using their mind, as um, my cousin Shemto said. <laughs> so, um, yes, thank you for bringing that up. I thought uh, the first thought that came to me was OCD, the idea of not using your mind, and it's like Mamasha Vajazara. Would you think that that's like a Vajazara, Rishi? It's, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you, Rachi. Are you, are, are you saying, are you asking, is OCD a form of a desire? Did I hear you correctly or do I misunderstand? Yes. I'm going to put on my second earpod on in the street. Yes. I have no expertise in that, none at all. But everything inside of me is screaming that I would not put that in a category of a desire. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a, it's it's a it's a pathology like 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 many other physical or emotional pathologies illnesses. My question my question was that could you tell that person that it's in a way the form of like to help the person get out of it is say telling them that it's a way it's in a form of of not serving Hashem if you're listening to this thought to help them. A person that believes in that. I, I hear what you're saying. And again, I, I, I don't have any expertise. And if somebody does, please weigh in. But there is a subsidiary um, form of OCD called scrupul scrupulosity. And that is the OCD that centers around religious um, uh, ritual. And, and it would seem to me that if you tell this person that it's a form of a desire, it might even make it more difficult for them because it's like they're they're dealing with this thing that that has overtaken them that they, that nobody asks for and nobody wants and it is so 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 difficult it is is definitely a form of of um i think becoming enslaved to something i would say yes but now you're telling them that the fact that they have this terrible difficult situation they're dealing with this is like an avayda zara that can make them feel like I think even even more terribly upset and and uh, but um, I hear you. So Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, there are ways of addressing this. It has to be done with the correct practitioners, um, and I should hope that everybody should have their geula pratis from whatever it is. But again, I would I would really be grateful if somebody who has any experience with this could could speak to this to Rachi's question. Rifki, one can say that any time we give in to anything of our Yates or horror, so to speak, and I'm not saying OCD is that, 
but that's a level of Avaidazara. That's what the Tanya talks yeah, about. Yeah, it's yeah. It's this, that. So to say that mental illness, I, you're right. You're 100% right. I think telling somebody what's going through mental emotional stress or mental emotional difficulty at a certain time of their life, to call that Avaidazara, it doesn't help because we're talking about a person who's not well. When a person is well and you want to rationalize your anger is Avaidazara, that's one thing. When a person is not well, we do not benefit by giving them another, like you said, Rifki, another reason to do a wrong. You know what I mean? They're already at rock bottom. We have to pull them out. But what I find, and, and, and I think, I think it could make it even. You could, you could put them back. You could set them back so much by that. I'm afraid. But what I find fast, I think getting involved maybe more into cultural stuff that is totally anti-terror could fall under those categories where you can rationalize with somebody. But that's even then, I don't think we need to be talking at our time about Avaidazara, unless somebody has to show shmad, that you really see that they're going into another religion. Because today Avaidazara, in its sense, the way it was a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, is not the same. It's just not the same. So, but what I found fascinating, and you talk about editorializing, but what Sipha said, what I find fascinating is that when you look at mental health and emotional health, the relatives getting involved is absolutely crucial, is the first step of the only one way they can tell if somebody has greater hope than not, is their home situation. So if they, if the, if the home is healthy, it's such a crucial point in pulling somebody out of many times we think we'll stay away or we don't know what to say. But, and then the other thing here is by teaching them how to fish, which means you look at what the good they have, the talents you have. If the person cannot ever learn how to fish because they don't have hands or whatever it may be, you wouldn't do that, right? You teaching them to do on a, a work is something that they have a talent in. So you focus on their talents and you teach them how to have a job. You, you see what I'm trying? What is so fascinating with this, with this is this is so basic mental health, and yet it's in terror. In, in terror at the very beginning, how to, how to, I don't know, it's how to cope, how to, how to make it work. But the other fascinating thing is what you said is how the Rebbe, I don't know. You know, I said this year after Pesach, I'm going to sit down and write my Dayenus. But I think one Dayenu for Lubavitcher has to be how the Rebbe taught us how to learn and how to think, how to see that positive. A person is, he left. He, he's, you know what I mean? And yet, no, it's only to, to bring water. It's only to pull him out. I, I don't know. It's just an amazing, uh, but in terms of mental health, this is a, uh, not only mental health, everybody, everybody going through a difficulty, having a support system. That's what it's talking about here. No. Absolutely. Thank you. I um, wanted to answer a question. Jane asked, I thought a person who succumbs to idol worship is in a state of insanity rather than being asleep. I think uh, Jane, you're correct that it talks about that uh, a Jew cannot sin unless uh a spirit of insanity um, overcomes them. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think there are, you know, there are times where it talks about a state of insanity and times where it talks about being asleep. Um, what they both share is a disconnect, a lack of calibration with the inner essence. Um, piggybacking on what Esther just said, again, I um, about how important it is for the family to be involved and to extend a helping hand and to find the positivity. 
But the Rebbe's insistence that Geula Yieloi, I think that when you know that, you it doesn't allow for giving up hope, and a person can feel when you've given up hope on them or not. And the very fact that the Rebbe insists that Geula Yieloi, it has to be that way, changes everything in in the way that we look at people, and the way that we don't give up, and the way that we. And and I think that can be sensed very deeply by the person. Um, I want to just raise a, a question over here, and definitely not in the category of uh, any kind of expertise, although it's a field that fascinates me in terms of mental and emotional health. And I think where we need to really, really pay attention in ourselves and in people around us is at what point is the person still about Bechira in, in an obvious kind of way, that they're still making choices. The essence of being an Evid is that you're not making choices, that the, the ability to make choice is right now, it's not in your life. You're, you're under somebody else, you're under somebody, um, somebody some, something else has, um, has has sway over what happens to you. It's not your your free choice is gone. And Evid cannot decide what he wants to do, and Evid cannot decide where he wants to go. So the idea of you know, yes, eventually you are redeemable, and yes, it, it, family and all of the things of how we have to look. But the the point uh, sometimes we think when when somebody is has to show them in that situation where they're. Um, where there, whatever Tzipa mentioned, the addictions or other different situations, many of these situations, you're not dealing with choice. I mean, choice is kind of like, oh, well, I'll explain to him, like what Rahi said, understand this and that. Like Rivki said, sometimes putting it into the terms of, if you would just know this, then you wouldn't do that. If a person is so caught up in whatever it is that they're, enslaved to, and using that term very broadly in terms of mental and emotional health, telling them something else is they're they're not they're not a cavey for that. So what do you bring to the situation that can help them um, eventually stand on their own feet? So everything that everybody said about the support and so on, it's it's a delicate thing. And sometimes the part of the helping piece of it is the guidance from the professionals of what is helpful to do and what is not helpful to do. You're not going to always figure it out yourself, um, how to be there, but to know that you can, and that in this situation, it is not, it is not a matter of the person's choice. They are not in a position of choosing at that, in that situation. I think. Thank you so much, Vivi. And I'm main to everything that you said before, Rifki, about the, the Yeshua's, that the Ebrister should, uh, what did you say, redeem us? Amen, vi amen. What, Vivi? Um, huh? Vivi, I just, I have, you're, you're right, you're, you're right, but no buts, but the, but the Sicha tells us, so this is a question, it's not a statement. The Sicha tells us, that they're asleep 
Okay, sure, we must have professional help. I'm not, don't get involved in something. I'm not, I'm not negating that. But if they're asleep, and I think the Sikha pointed that out, are, can a yid be a total evit to the point that there is, that a relative can't redeem them? I, I don't think, I don't think it's a contradiction. I think when we're talking about addictions and, you know, um, real, real situations of mental and emotional illness, then that's like an extreme of this issue. When we're talking about somebody, maybe in a way you could say they're an avid um, because they don't feel that they have any choice. They don't feel that they have choice. So it appears that they're an avid because they have these terrible habits. Um, and very often people think, oh, I'm, I must be addicted and I have to get into something. And uh, the professionals will actually tell them, you're not addicted, you have a bad habit. And that's where the, the relative, the, the, the friend, whatever, can help. And we need a lot of support in that to break a bad habit. Um, but, but, wait, 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 but even if it is extreme, even it is extreme, the position yes. of a relative in support, not in not, yeah, not yeah. involved sure. in their treatment where they can upset things. No, no, no. But the concept of a relative to support, I, from I the city, you see that that the support of a relative now is mm -hmm. is absolutely the first step. It's crucial in pulling anybody out of whatever monster they need. Absolutely. Esther, no. I would even say that um, the sense that your relatives have given up on you or they've alienated you or they don't consider you part of the family or anything like that could be the most profound aspect of the servitude or could be the cause of the descent, the trajectory of whatever it is they got involved in. I think we've heard over and over again from people who grew up in from Chassidisha families and went uh, had their what we call uh, nowadays a journey and came back and they will say uh, it's like almost like a cliche answer. What enabled you to come back? My family never gave up on me. My family never gave up on me. Um, but I think just the idea when you're moving away from real uh, illness things to more of a thing of habits, um, we spent Shabbos, an incredible, incredible Shabbos with the Igud Leim Dei the group of people who mostly came from Satmar, etc. And they're learning Chassidus. And this was the first time they had a Shabbos for both men and women, although the Mechitzes were all the way through the hotel and everything else. But um, at one point, I had mentioned the idea of, you know, the going from um, Pesach to Shulis and going, everybody has their own Mitzrayim. And I said, you know, my, for me, my Mitzrayim is I can't because I didn't. I'm not that type. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't do this. I can't do it because I didn't do this. So somebody told me later that she heard two women talking and one was saying, I can't. Because I didn't, good. I could, you know, like so. That's a little bit. That's what I. That kind of thing was is is what I'm referring to with the challenges. Where it really feels like a mitzrayim. It really feels like I'm an evid to this, 
and just being able to tell myself or somebody who's close to me that can help me see it. I can't because I didn't, I could. And that, that brings, uh, or it could bring a, a, a geula, but um, holding on to the person is always, always, always the right thing. How to, uh, how to, to help them, how to redeem them, that's going to depend on the situation. And sometimes when there are really extreme situations, the things that people have to do to support family members are things that in their wildest dreams, they would not have imagined doing. And, and, and the Rav will tell them, you, you, yeah, yeah, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this because it's pikoach nefesh in a different way. Okay, but that's not, I, I, I think it's, I'm, I'm grateful that this thread was brought into this. I didn't think of it in terms of um, addictions or mental illness or emotion and so on. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that it's that it was brought into the conversation, but I think it's important to remember that, um, you know, it applies in everyday situations in a very, very real way. And maybe when we can step in properly then, uh, you know, preventive medicine, that's ultimately the best. Thank you, Rifki. Rifki, I also want to just... Thank you, everybody. Sorry, I want to comment on something that you said before where you mentioned that it's potentially because the family pulls away that that could, you know, lead to the Yerida or whatever it is. But here specifically in the Sikha, it said because of, you know, when you come to the land and when you're, you know, exposed and maybe that's what it is when the child, you know, leaves his innocent, you know, little cocoon and is, you know, that's where we usually see the beginning of whatever Yerida a person goes through. It's not when they're, you know, surrounded in their little innocent bubble. Yeah. I'd like to, yeah, I'd like to add because Rafi said that's why they leave um, the lack of the family support. I, I think you mentioned it, but I'm not sure. I think it's important to say that it, it might be because that the problem started because he didn't, he or she didn't feel the family support, like we know it today, like the unconditional love, blah, blah, blah. And it's very interesting. Face tab wrote in the, okay, I have a baby crying. Thank you. Oh, Rafi, you can't do that to us. You started, but we understand. Bubby, Bubby duties. If you could okay. write in the I, chat. I, I, picked, I, picked, I picked him up. Okay, so, oh, he doesn't like your picture, Rafi, sorry. <laughs> you just need your voice. <laughs> okay. So basically, Shay Tao wrote to the, in this week's Ami magazine. It was very, very interesting. I, I thought it was fascinating. It might be a little extreme, but it was about a family that didn't have... Um, I, my mother's seeing him for the first time. Okay, one second. So the family that didn't have... Um, that the, a neighbor, they, they were their daughter was being bullied to an extreme, and they were ready to um, from there. And they had all children moving in a beautiful place, you know, from. You with us, Rafi? 
Yeah, Rachi's, I think, trying to manage it. Enical, her just, mother. I want to make, I want to make sure that I made something clear. To say that the um, love and support of a, fam of a family can be very, very important in a person's ultimate healing. Chas Shalom to take it in the other direction and say, well, it's their fault. And that was a very common thing not so long ago, 20 years ago, less than 20 years ago, that you would see, you know, if you do this and this, you're going to have the good results. If you don't have the good results, it, uh, it shows what's really going on by then. And that whole thinking has to be completely discarded. It's sometimes it is that, and there are many, many other factors that contribute. It's the like in the sicha about the eretz of just dealing with with the world that we're in, or you know, it could be any one of a number of things. I heard, and I don't know who happened with, but I heard that there was. Um, I heard it from my mother, who always liked to quote stories with a name and an address. You know, who who a story about the Rebbe? Who are we talking about? And she felt bad that she didn't have it about this story, but she would tell it anyway, that there was a woman in Yechidus once who was experiencing challenges with the behavior of her children. And she said to the Rebbe, you know, I always thought that I was doing things the way to the best of my ability, but you know, they say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And if this is happening with my children, then it's showing what kind of a tree I really am, not what I think I am. And in the story, again, no achrayas, no, no responsibility for whether it's true, but nevertheless, in the story that the Rebbe said to her, it's true that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but that's only when things are calm. When there are strong winds blowing, the apple can go very far from the tree. And we are living in the stormiest times and not begashmias, and they just to make it all good in every way. But there's no question that the the winds that are blowing around our our children, our grandchildren, our great grandchildren. None of us grew up with anything like the the winds that are blowing around our families today. So it, you have to be, I think, really, really careful. Of course, we have to do the best that we can, and we have to keep growing and daven and learn and all of those things. But that old, um, that old way of looking things, which may have been valid at one time, we can't hold it. We can't. We can't do. We can't look that way now. We can't. We can't it, because then it becomes. We lose any effectiveness that we have. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Boom. Vivi, I thank you for that, and I want to make clear what I said earlier. I wasn't saying that that precipitates the whole. I was saying that what the Rebbe is teaching us is that. When there is a lessening of the kiruv, it 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 creates a, a snowball effect. And the old way was kick this child out of the house or disassociate or right. excommunicate them. And the Rebbe is telling us that that hold on because there's no possibility of this really being essentially what is happening it's just momentary it's just for now it's just what you're seeing exactly exactly yeah. Rachi, can you tell us the end of the story or all right 
I could, I could, I could, I could. I just came oh. back there. Okay. No, so Shaytal told the mother, the fact that you're willing to move and you're so, we say preocupado in Spanish, you're so, um, oh, preoccupied with um, your daughter and you have so much um, love for her. That's the answer to my question, to your question. Your question was, should they move or not? What could they do for, about the bullying? He said, just last another three years, she's going to be older and she'll be able to walk to, to a little further. But he was like, he, it was amazing that he was saying that her issue would be resolved because she had that unconditional, and she saw the unconditional love of her parents, even if she was being bullied terribly by her her neighbors. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting about what you were saying, that the family should kick in, you know, afterwards, and the fact that they might leave um, because the because of the lack of support, it might have lechatila happened because of the lack of support. Okay, that was my two cents, holding my grandchild and, and making an egg. <laughs> the same time. Okay. Thank you, Rafi. Thank you so much. Okay, you know, one of the things that occurs to me, and we're running out of time, but um, I was privileged to, to, to stand so many times and hear Fabringens and didn't understand most of it, didn't remember most of it, didn't, didn't go in. But there are certain things that the Rebbe said over and over and over and over and over again. And we close our eyes, we could hear it, whether we heard it then or we hearing it now in the Sikhs. But like, how many Sikhs did the Rebbe end with? Kahal Gadol Yashuvu Hena or Ba'atem to look to Echad Echad. Like, this is the constant refrain that it will be everybody, every single person. And Lo Yidach Mimenu Nidach. These are. Even if you were asleep, you 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 had to hear these limudim, these psukim, these yudim, these promises over and over again. And it should already be that we should see them all come to fruition immediately now. Amen. Wishing everybody a gola de kevach. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.